So, awkward intro time, and how's everybody doing this evening? Awkwardly. I'm feeling like a piece of fried chicken. Oh yeah, how's that? Delicious? Delicious and crispy and... (laughs) Infused with 11 herbs and spices? Yes. I don't like fried chicken. (gasps) Oh. I'm not a big chicken fan. Like, I like chicken nuggies. That's fried chicken. Yeah. Fried chicken just in small portions. Yeah. I like a lot of fried chicken all the time. (laughs) I get, whenever we got KFC, I just ate the skin, but only with the extra crispy. (laughs) Why would you not order extra crispy for KFC? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I used to work at Hardee's, and um, if we ever had chicken left over at night, I'm, I'm, I look back at myself, like I close my eyes and I see myself from above, like, out of body experience watching myself eating the chicken over the sink in the back <laughs> like handfuls that... of like a thigh and a, a breast <laughs> and a leg just because i didn't want to throw it away plus i like waited because i knew there was some chicken left over and i was like i'm just gonna eat this i just yeah. reminded me of that picture of paul eating that uh the turkey leg the turkey yeah. leg <laughs> beautiful uh it's my favorite picture of it is life. my favorite picture of you ever I, I your eyes no... are still dreamy with that picture. <laughs> uh, yep. We'll have to grab that and post it into the Facebooks and the Twitters to remind people how awesome Paul is with that turkey leg. Yeah. I love that picture so much. It's what you got for us. Well, Anything? I, I, I thought this was interesting news. Apparently, uh, since what's his name that did the Spider-Man films has decided not to do Fantastic Four, they have filled his spot with Matt Shackman, who was the showrunner for WandaVision. Oh. Hmm. He was supposed to do the new Star Trek sequel. Oh. For Paramount. Like, within the same Chris Pine Star Trek? Or? I I believe so. Okay. Because I'm down, because... Uh, what was the last one? Uh, uh, Beyond. Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. Beyond. That, that one was actually really good. It was. I believe that that was Justin Lin, wasn't it? Was it? It keeps popping up recently in these mentions. He's, he's amazing. Lin Sanity. Yes, that was Justin Lin. Nice. So, yeah, he's a great director, and I like that they made a... Uh, Star Trek Fast and Furious film. Exactly. <laughs> now, if we can only get the the proper crossover of those two franchises. Is this a setup for a joke? No, that, that was the joke. Oh, okay. no, he, no, he actually wants Vin Diesel on the bridge yeah. telling everybody that, you know, it's all about family. He's like, okay. you're, you're a spaceship crew. You should be like family. <laughs> Just turn Vin Diesel into Sylvester Stallone. Uh, he's not far <laughs> off. <laughs> Man. Uh, yo. Fab. <laughs> so anyway. Oh, I need that now. I want a Chronicles of Riddick where Sylvester Stallone's his dad or something. <laughs> Uh, the closest we've come so far is Sylvester Stallone being in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. Which I liked. I did too. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, I think I'd be interested to see. I'm not not big on Wandavision, but elements of it though. <laughs> yeah, if in the beginning. Yeah, if we can get his Fantastic Four film, that's like the first three episodes of Wandavision. I'll take that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just kind of. I don't. I, I can't care about Fantastic Four anymore. I'm sort of there. I mean, I, I've never liked it's, it it's, really anyway. But it's it's it's. Especially Doctor Doom is one of those things that I've just always loved. And I do like the Fantastic Four. It just seems like they, they just don't know how to do it. So I think it's going to boil down to the script. Yeah. When the, uh, yeah. when the Roger Corman movie is the best Fantastic Four movie, you know you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't not care about the Fantastic Four. I love them. I get it. I, I just, I I love them so much. I named my my first car after the thing. Beautiful. Well, I mean, it is a thing, though. It is. It is a thing. But I did <laughs> name. I named it Grim. <laughs> you know, that, that's fair. When you have Michael B. Jordan in in a bad movie, you just you're gonna piss me off. So yeah. it's just you you fucked up a franchise so bad. Yep. So. Um, hey, speaking of shit, do you guys want to talk about a movie? Yeah, let's talk about a movie. beautiful people out there in podcast land my name is paul workman i'm jonathan pierce i'm zach mccoy and we are your oscar grouches welcome back to the oscar worsty podcast a show where we discuss oscar winners throughout history try to determine where the academy went wrong if they went wrong and what film are we watching this week zach this week we're watching green book it's driving miss daisy too in more than one way apparently all you got to do to solve racism is ride in a car with a well-meaning racist and be exceptional in so many ways. Is this everybody's first time seeing Green Book? Yes. Yes. No. I watched this legally. There you go. I was the waiting first. for the podcast. All right. Well, with all those exciting stories, let's get into an Oscar breakdown. Break it down. Okay. It is... An unfortunate February 24th, 2019. <laughs> we are still at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. Our host for this evening, we don't have one. Oh, that's right. First time in a long, long time that we did not have a host. Did they give a reason for that? Uh, just nobody wanted the job. It, yeah. it really... Oh. I'm sorry, was this when Kevin Hart was fired or was that next year? I think that might have been this year. Yeah, okay. Oof. And they're just like, yeah, we'll do it without a host. Let's see. They tried to float the popular film category in this year. Two months later, two months later, Gigliotti and Weiss initially selected actor and comedian Kevin Hart to host the ceremony. However, he resigned from his position shortly after his selection. After his selection, after it was revealed that Hart made jokes that contain anti-gay slurs and language. Yeah. Um, Harvested his Twitter. Yep. 
So it just became too much scrutiny for most people, and we decided to go hostless this year. Hostless. All right. Our most nominated film on the evening films, sorry, on the evening are The Favorite and Roma. Our most awarded film on the evening is Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> At four. Uh, the nominations were ten apiece. Four is the most one movie got. <laughs> and Poor was. Paul. This is I fucking hate this year. <laughs> uh, it's it's terrible. It's very bad. It's no no good. Bad. I mean, there there are things there are I things. like. Here we go. All right, best picture goes to Green Book, <laughs> giving Jim Burke, Charles B. Wessler, Brian Curie, Peter Fairley, and Nick Vallelonga Academy Awards for producing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. It beats out Black Panther. Just going to stop there for a moment. Green mm-hmm. Book beat out Black Panther. Also, Black Klansman. <laughs> As Spike Lee puts it, every time he's invited to the Oscars, he loses to somebody driving somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> also beats out Bohemian Rhapsody. The favorite, Roma a Star is Born, and Vice. Adam McKay is back. Best Director goes to Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, a win I'm not sad about. Yeah. Decent. Um, best Actor, for some unexplainable reason, goes to Rami Malek. In fact, this is the worst Best Acting category I have ever seen. <laughs> Can you read it for us? Because it's Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody who wins. Christian Bale as Dick Cheney and Vice shouldn't be there. Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born. Bradley Cooper? (laughs) Who's up to two nominations, by the way, right now. Um, Willem Dafoe in At At Eternity's Gate, which isn't a terrible nomination, but considering all the actors who could have been nominated over that film this year. Mm-hmm. And then Viggo Mortensen in Green Book. It's so bad. It's so bad. Okay. I, I've got to get myself together. I, it, it's, I, keep, I can't keep no, derailing we, this. No, we knew this episode was good. This fucking episode is the reason why we do this fucking podcast. This episode right here has been being built up so. since since episode zero. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I I just need I I need to try to get through this breakdown without stabbing myself in the eye. <laughs> okay. All right. So. Oh, best oh God! The blood. <laughs> There's so much. Best Actress goes to Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, who was my favorite performance of the year. So I'm happy about that. Very good. Uh, Everybody thought it was going to go to Glenn Close for The Wife, because it felt like it was, quote-unquote, Glenn Close's time. She is still pretty Glenn Farr from that Oscar, I guess. Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) Best Supporting Actor goes to Mahershala Ali for 
Green Book, uh, which I neglected to mention in our Moonlight episode, Mahershala Ali, the first Muslim man to win an Academy Award. Hmm. There you go. Should I gone to him for this movie, though? Right. We'll get to that. Yeah. Not that he's bad in this movie, because he's excellent in this movie, but we'll yeah. get to that. Okay. Best Supporting Actress goes to the Queen herself, Regina King, for If Beale Street Could Talk. Woo-woo. I have. Okay. No, I haven't missed it yet. Best Original Screenplay goes to Green Book. Peter Fairley and Nick Vallelonga and Brian Curie have two Academy Awards apiece at this point. Best Adapted Screenplay goes to Black Klansman, giving Charlie Watchell, David Rabinowitz, Kevin Wilmot, and Spike Lee Academy Awards, making this Spike Lee's first competitive Academy Award win. Uh, absurd, but yeah. I'm very glad that he won. Uh, best Animated Feature goes to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Excellent Yes, what a good choice. Yes, finally, you know, other than Olivia Coleman, but you got a really good, really good, obvious pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm so happy that you guys agree that the Wes Anderson movie does not. (laughs) Well, I love Isle of Dogs, but... Spoiler alert, I will be talking about this in my uh, uh, Does This Deserve Best Picture. Ah, gotcha. Just spoilers there. Sure. (laughs) All right. Best foreign language film goes to Roma, giving Alfonso Cuaron his second Academy Award for the film. Uh, And the film is in from Mexico. It's in Spanish and mixed tech. Uh, Best documentary feature goes to Free Solo. I was really rooting for Minding the Gap this year. Mm. Not that Free Solo didn't deserve it, but Minding the Gap is beautiful. Uh, best documentary short subject goes to period end of sentence period end of sentence is the name of it it's it's period period end of sentence period (laughs) very good uh best live action short film goes to skin best animated short film goes to bow oh from pixar uh domi she of course uh winning an academy award here who is the director of turning red that's right uh, best original score goes to Black Panther, giving Ludwig Göransson an Academy Award. Excellent score. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. He's so good. He's, he is. He's just excellent. His work on Community, his work on the Star Wars stuff. There's, there's nothing he can't do. I was rooting for Terrence Blanchard for Black Klansman, though. Mm. Terrence Blanchard is incredible. Uh, okay. Um. Best original song goes to Shallow from A Star Is Born. Fucking boo. Fucking boo. <laughs> so fucking much. I don't know if it was uh, just a coincidence, but your camera like zoomed in on you a little bit when you said that, John. Really? <laughs> it's, it's fine. I hate that fucking song so much. And then it became the new like, oh, what was that? Kid Rock duet song that he did, put your picture uh, away a picture with Cheryl Crow. yeah with Cheryl Crow like Shallow became the new that for karaoke somehow just, somehow like to this day I, I have avoided ever hearing that Shallow song <laughs> good for you <laughs> uh, 
This gives Lady Gaga an Academy Award. She was also nominated for Best Actress. What sucks is I like Lady Gaga. I think she's fucking great. Me too. But I fucking hate that song. <laughs> it it's not very good. Oh, Kendrick Lamar and SZA are nominated for Black Panther for all the stars. Awesome. All right, best sound editing. Goes to Bohemia Rhapsody. <laughs> best sound mixing goes to Bohemian Rhapsody. Best production design goes to Black Panther. Hooray! Yay! Hooray. So very excited. Uh, best cinematography goes to Roma, giving Alfonso Cuaron his third Academy Award of the evening. He did his own cinematography, is that? Yeah, on this one, yeah. Nice. Uh, best makeup and hairstyling goes to Vice, which, sure. <laughs> he do be looking like Dick Cheney. Yeah, they, they, they did kind of nail that. <laughs> best costume design goes to Black Panther, giving Ruth E. Carter an Academy Award, the first black woman to win a costuming award. Hmm. Absolutely deserved. Uh, absurd it took this long, but absolutely incredible costumes. Uh... Best film editing in the most absolutely confusing win of the night goes to Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Some of these wins are baffling. This win makes no sense. <laughs> that film is one of the most poorly edited films I have ever seen. Uh, and it beats out Green Book because apparently <laughs> Green Book had exceptional editing. Uh, I don't know. <sighs> Okay. Uh, best visual Cut to him eating a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, or a folded up pizza. <laughs> best visual effects goes to First Man, which is I had never even fucking heard of that movie. It's better than La La Land. All right. It's uh, I forgot his name all of a sudden. Ryan Gosling. Did no. Chazelle? Yeah, Damien Chazelle. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's Damien Chazelle's follow up to La La Land. Ah, so La La Land is the really bad meat between two really good slices of bread. <laughs> like La La Land's that molding meat that you that just makes about. it a bad sandwich. Then, <laughs> like mm. the bread could be fucking amazing, but if I'm taking a bite and I'm getting moldy fucking meat, it's a bad goddamn sandwich. It's, I mean, you could throw the meat away and you can have like yeah, but that shit's already touched it. That, that's now bad <laughs> bread. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying whiplash is bad bread? <sighs> Maybe the meat whiplash, was still the meat was still. Wrapped. I could I could pick at it around it. like you know, I could just like <laughs> the stuff that didn't touch the meat. <laughs> Maybe there was cheese in between, so you just had to toss. Yeah, it. See, there you go. Yeah, although that's sad, but you know, sometimes you have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, honorary awards go to Marvin Levy an exemplary career in publicity that has brought films to the minds, hearts, and souls of audiences all over the world. To Lalo Schifrin, Schifrin, sorry, in recognition of his unique musical style, compositional integrity, and influential contributions to the art of film scoring. Hmm. And to the great Cecily Tyson, whose unforgettable performances and personal integrity have inspired generations of filmmakers, actors, and audiences. Absolutely. Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Awards 
The, honor, the award honors creative producers whose bodies of work reflect a consistently high quality of motion picture production. Sorry, they hadn't had that note on here until, until this point. Uh, goes to Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall. Who were Steven Spielberg's uh, partners in Amblin Entertainment. Yep. That is our Oscar breakdown. All right. Well, well, let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about this movie. Green Book. <laughs> John, it sucks. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I don't think I hated this movie as much as everybody else did. Okay. I don't know what it was trying to fucking say. Um, like, I mean, I don't know what what it was trying to accomplish. I do I, know I feel like 90% of it is bullshit when it yeah. comes on that, like based on a true story shit. Mm -hmm. But I like an Italian New York accent. And uh, especially when it's just so fucking over embellished in every possible way, <laughs> it made me enjoy that. I was um, saying if, if, if I could enjoy uh, Viggo Mortensen being a cartoon character in a movie that calls for him to really be a cartoon character. I yes. think I could have enjoyed this performance as a comedic performance, Absolutely. but it's in this yeah. movie. Yes. Right. Right. So like, <laughs> this is not a good movie. This is a no. bad movie that I kind of enjoyed. So what the thing I'll say about this movie, it's, watchable it's like you put it on and it happens and yeah there are times when i roll my eyes and i kind of put my head down there's other times there was a, a few scenes where i'm like okay those were actually pretty decent scenes then we get i guess we start talking about the sandwich and the meat and the bread again and how much is rubbed off on the bread um <laughs> oh no this is a shit sandwich <laughs> This like this movie is just it's like what if KFC got a hold of the shit sandwich and they made the double down where it's like <laughs> the shit is the bread. So yeah, I'll, the the first thing I'll say is this movie would have been okay if it came out in the late seventies, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but just you know, I'll I'll let Paul pop loose the cork here. I, I think this movie's more watchable than Driving Miss Daisy. I like Driving Miss Daisy so much more. I I had to take breaks from this movie. I don't remember if I watched it in one sitting the first time I, I watched it either. I just... Mm. Everything is so bad. It's not, it's not particularly good looking. Pacing is very slow. It's supposed to be a two-hander buddy comedy, and we don't meet the buddy until like 20 minutes into the movie nothing about this movie is good <laughs> oh except Mahershal Ali but poor Mahershal Ali had to go and apologize to Don Shirley's actual family when they were like look you did a good job but everything <laughs> about your character is a fucking lie <laughs> so what uh, Nick is uh, what the son was a producer yeah. and, and writer yeah, Nick Vallelonga, who yeah. who writes this, 
movie that's supposed to be anti-racist, but his horrible racist father in the film gets rewarded for every racist thing he says. Yeah. And then Nick Vallelonga had to go and delete a bunch of really racist tweets towards Muslims. That he wrote? That he wrote in like 2015. <sighs> Remember when Donald Trump was like, Muslims were celebrating the Twin Towers being yeah. destroyed? Like you, they were on the rooftops in New York celebrating. Uh-huh. Nick Vallelonga was like, I saw it too, Donald Trump. Those ra- there were thousands of people celebrating. Wow. Fuck that guy. Yeah. So, yeah, it, the the <laughs> the Italian guy is teaching the black man how to what how he's supposed to be black and the whole fried chicken thing. I don't know what that was supposed to Yeah, that signify. Like and, and the worst part about that fried chicken thing is when they go to the the one house yeah to play and the owner's like hey we had we had our staff cook up a cook up a delicious meal for for mr shirley himself fried chicken and they do this cut to Uh. beagle mortensen and he's just going see i told you (laughs) black people love fried chicken and at no point is that supposed to be bad like that's supposed to be <laughs> look at him. He's like, so, see, I was racist and thought you love fried chicken. That's where I say I'm confused by what the movie is trying to say, because <laughs> I look at that scene and go, you see how like you're being a piece of shit, but you're showing me it's okay to be a piece of shit. Like, yeah. oh, I was right. I was a piece of shit. I'm right. Just like, I don't yeah. understand what it was trying to do. Like, <laughs> I don't understand either because this movie is <laughs> so all over the place with its very mixed messaging. Yeah, like if this was if if this was marketed as a buddy comedy, which it was. Oh, was it, it was. seriously? It very much was. That whole that whole him teaching him to eat fried chicken and throwing the bones out the window was like the cornerstone of the fucking marketing. I just must not have been paying attention during that time because I feel like that if, all right, so maybe not the marketing, maybe if that's the, what the movie was supposed to be, if they'd honestly, even just like a jaunty soundtrack that made it more like a goofy comedy, I think it may have worked instead of trying to be something that it's terrible at. Yeah. Like, like really fucking bad. at. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's the same problem that you have with driving with Daisy. Like I mentioned in, in the intro, you know, you have a, quote unquote decent well-meaning person who's actually a racist but their racism is cured by spending a lot of time with the person of color that is either super uh gracious and allows their bullshit until it finally dawns on them that oh this is a, a person that i should be kind and respect or that here you have a exceptional um artist who's one of the best in the country and, and almost, almost magical. You could say, <laughs> there you go. 
who just happens to have Bobby Kennedy's phone number. And I don't know. I hate Peter Farrelly. Yeah, he's terrible. I, of the lists of movies that I say I hate when it comes to comedy, there's only one that I enjoyed when I was six, 15, 15, 16, uh, 14, 14, because I was 14. And I don't fucking get him. And I don't understand why people. I mean, I love Dumb and Dumber. And I, and I, know I you fucking don't like hate him. Dumb and Dumber so much. I've been waiting for it. Yeah. See, and I like Kingpin. <laughs> Kingpin is one of those movies. I think I need, I don't want to go back and watch it, but it's one of those. Because that came out 96. Yes, it did. So, yeah, I would have been what, 12. So I'm yeah. sure 12 year old me probably would have enjoyed it. Like 14 year old me enjoyed There's Something About Mary. Yeah. And I yeah. love There's Something About Mary. But after that, like, right. it's all diminishing yeah. returns. Once you get to me, myself, and Irene, it's. Uh... Yeah. Shallow Hal is the absolute worst. Oh, Shallow Hal. So, yeah. like, and then I don't think I've seen anything of his other crap other than the Stuck on You, which Stuck on You was had fine. It was well meaning or something, but he's just, I don't know. He, uh, all, so many of his movies have mixed messaging or crude humor that's, um, sometimes punches down. So, like, he produced The Ringer. Which is a surprisingly well, the intentions were there and done correctly. Surprisingly. But he only produced that. Mm-hmm. But you can definitely feel him in there. Yeah, like, you, could, you could almost always feel the Fairley Brothers like fingerprints on anything they produced. Yeah. I just... <sighs> I don't know, man. (laughs) Yeah. And again, like there's so many confusing things about this movie that on the first watch I was confused about. And on this watch, a lot of them stood out so much more. This Catholic Italian American who aren't known for, you know, being very open-minded about the spectrum of sexuality. He's so racist. He's throwing glasses away that black people drank out of at his house. Yeah. But the moment that Don Shirley is caught having sex with another man in a bathhouse, he's like, eh, that happens. <laughs> what? It's like, I've worked in nightclubs. I've seen some shit. Huh? What? <laughs> Apparently you just have to be exposed to things to solve the racism and the sex or the homophobia or it's, whatever else. <laughs> yeah. And he, he does such a quick his character changes so abruptly, it seems like. Yeah. And, and at the same time, he doesn't at all. Uh, true. Yeah. You get, you get into like the end of the movie after he has to drive him back to the hotel so he can go pee because the racist guy who made the fried chicken, who had all his black servants serve yeah. a black man fried chicken, wouldn't let him go to the bathroom in his house. And he's in this car and he's like, He's like, that's so racist. I was, he's like, you know, I was throwing glasses away at the beginning of this movie, but that guy, that guy's worse than me. <laughs> what? Like, and as he's doing it, he's still like using racial epithets against other people, using the word Jaime to describe Jewish people in New York. He's like, I have way more in common with them than I do that guy. No, you're yeah. that guy. <laughs> you were that guy at the 
yeah. what is the message here? Yeah. Again. <laughs> I mean, that that is the whole point of all of this, is what is the fucking message. It just it's it's like you said, it's 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 rewarding the douchebaggery. It's it's just at no point is it it's a, at no point would a lesson be learned by him. No. He's basically being justified through everything and going, see, I was right. I guess that makes me less of a douchebag. No. No. <laughs> I think I think if we have something spark, we can come back to that. But I just want to talk about the actual makeup of the movie too for a second. Like like you said, this was nominated for editing. There's nothing exceptional about the editing. It, it's it's oh. standard no. fare as far as the movie's made. Um, there's this one scene kind of sticks out in my head too of just how silly it can be at times. Like when they get to that one show and the, they've got the wrong piano and the guy's like, have him play whatever. What, what's, the, what's the difference? And then, you know, slaps him. And then hours later at the concert, the guy's like still rubbing his face, looking all sad in the background. It's like, <laughs> what? The? No, that wouldn't be happening. You don't yeah. have to spell out everything. It's everything is so. When we talked about Moonlight, everything was so natural. And this movie, everything is. It is telling you how to feel that you've got the musical cues, you've got the welling up moments, you've got the the lines delivered in a oh yeah, I don't know whatever kind of way. I just had a random weird thought that just popped into my head. Like okay. this is the movie Christopher Moltisanti wrote. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like From this Sopranos. is exactly what he would mm-hmm. fucking write if if this was him. Like it just yeah. where he he would just like oh god the episode uh, the G girl where he meets uh, Vincent Vaughn and all that like and he's talking about his script like it comes off very much how this movie comes off as yeah <laughs> so I just random weird thought that came to my <laughs> so it wasn't uh, I saw somewhere was D-girl. the real life the real life Tony Lip was he in the he was in the Sopranos somebody said yeah I think so. Really? Yeah, he ended up in some movies, and it's titty time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Wait, Tony Lip was was he Carmine? Was he? He was Carmine. There you go. Holy shit! The reason why I'm worried about having a stroke. Yeah, and you know, and outside the the movie just to the awards like mm. here we are again we have black panther black clansmen if beale street could talk mm-hmm. we have these more more progressive black films and i know black clansmen has some detractors that have very good points against it um but I, i'm not going to get into a lot of that right now but here's uh, Ryan Coogler directed Black Panther. Mm-hmm. It's up for multiple awards. It wins multiple awards. He's not in the category. Yeah. Then um, my my brand and Barry Jenkins, who of course was robbed of best director uh, for Moonlight, is does If Beale Street Could Talk. Yeah. If Beale Street Could Talk is not in best picture category. He's not in the best director category. Thankfully, Regina King gets an Academy Award, and then Spike Lee. 
the only one of those three directors who have done these exceptional films that are picking up awards tonight is nominated for best director for the first time mm. in his illustrious career. Now I'm not saying every film he does is an absolute masterpiece, but yeah, but he's had at least five. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, between do the right thing and Malcolm X, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Like I, and here we are again. Yeah. And Alfonso Cuaron, Mexican man wins best director. Good for him. He's a, he's an amazing director. 91 Academy Awards. Still not a black director who's won right. the category. Here we have Spike Lee, one of the most, probably the most respected black director in the business, at least, at least with the longest career that most, most white people can name. Yeah. He doesn't win it. His movie doesn't win it. He loses to this shit again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so, in, it's so inane. Yeah. I just, I want a camera on Spike Lee during years like this, where I just want to see him just go. Just cut to him at the side of some uh, Knicks games. Yeah. All I, all I know is some, some British person asked him how he felt about Green Book in the run-up to the Oscars, and his response was, let me just put this in a way that you'll understand. It wasn't my cup of tea. So... Don Shirley's family as well. Like they had no input on this movie, right? None whatsoever. Yeah. Yikes. Which is absurd. Yeah. It's and this Chris Vallelonga and he, you know, they have the audacity to end the movies. They died within months of each other and were lifelong friends. And you don't go to his family and you don't talk to them. And, and you just write this own script that removes yeah things about your father and glorifies him, you know, not totally. There's some shit, but you still make him the hero of, uh, yeah, but, but they pass so much. They pass so much on to other people with all of his faults. Mm. Like the, the first time you meet him, sure. He's got a violent temper, but he's working. He, he's working this bouncer job at the Copacabana and, you know, so that's a that's a plus for him. And he's kind of working over one of the mob bosses to get in their favor so that he can be floated a little extra money here and there. And then and then he goes home and all the men in his family are like, there's black people in your house and you're just going to sleep and let your wife be near them. So they're like, oh, look at this. This is all a product of his environment. It's not his fault. Hmm. So yeah, the, he's not glorified at the beginning of the film, but at the same time, they're just like, well, I mean, it's just the way things are. But the family, all of a sudden, for no fucking reason, turns their fucking ideas backwards at the end of the fucking movie because he showed up. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, it's okay. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. everybody's yeah. just cured because this one guy took a took a road trip with a black man. It's so <laughs> silly. Every, everything about this movie is bad. It's such a bad movie. Uh, Linda to... Cardellini just got stuck in this horrible film. All the mouth noises, the food, the eating. Okay. I, uh... oh, Jesus fucking Christ. That fried chicken scene pissed me off so much. I would <laughs> rather sit and watch father Amir eat grapes for 10 hours than have to hear that again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It, yeah. it seemed like the sound was turned up. I mean, I was watching this movie with headphones, too. So, like, as uh, every scene where Tony is eating, the sounds are just loud. 
and it doesn't get nominated for sound editing or sound mixing. <laughs> and let me just say, as a fat guy, even I won't fold up a fucking pizza like that. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, nobody fucking does so that. So fucking cartoonish. Unless it's a Tortino's. If it's a Tortino's pizza, that's different. Because those things are tiny. Like, they're made to be, like, little yeah. crispy tacos. I'll fold the rectangle ones sometimes. Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean... No. <laughs> fold it like I man. Folded, folding one piece of pizza versus a whole-ass <laughs> uncut pizza. Ooh. Also, yeah, it was uncut. It was, it was uncut. Like Joms. <laughs> <laughs> Who serves pizza like that? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he specially request that? Hey, no, don't cut the pizza. We lay down in my formerly known as wife beater, also known as a shirt. I still lay call back. them wife beaters. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it just God. Jesus. So, all right. Well, this movie's terrible. I think we're all in agreement, but I still think it's watchable. But I mean, that, it's watch- that, I think okay. okay. Like, am I going to rewatch it? <laughs> yeah. No. One time is two times too many. All right. You guys ready to move on? Any additional notes from you, gentlemen? Like like Paul said, Mahershal Ali is good. He's playing an unfortunate character. But there, there's, one, there's one scene in the movie that I actually like, but it's still kind of cheesy. Because you know, when he gets out of the car in the rain and he he's walking away from the car, like, nobody's actually going to do that in the rain but the oscar moment yeah yeah i mean that's the one moment of consciousness that the film actually has when he says you know i'm not white enough and i'm not black enough so where am i you know yeah that's like okay uh but then the rest of the movie like but the big problem again comes to the fact that like his his family's like he was never estranged from us and he was plenty in black culture. So you've just created this right plot device. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm sure he was outside of the norm. He seemed like an interesting and kind of weird guy. I'd like to know more about the real person. Yeah. But like the way he's introduced in this movie is so just tone deaf and bad. <laughs> uh, and again, I, I'm sure he was kind of a weirdo. He lived above Carnegie Hall. What kind of not weirdo lives above Carnegie Hall? <laughs> yeah. You know what bugged the shit out of me the entire movie? Hmm. Why the fucking blanket? They never explained the blanket. Like, I, I feel like they make a point of it, right? They, they made a big, big production of it when they first put it on him. Yeah, and, they, he, and they bring it up later, too, when uh, during the fucking fried chicken scene where he's like, I don't want to get shit on my blanket. Cool. Yeah. What's with the fucking blanket, dude? Just give me like a sentence or something. Be like, this. I think it was some sort of. I think it was some sort of weird uh, gay foreshadowing or something. I don't know. It's like he he's has these sensitivities and cleanliness and. See, I I would think like OCD or something like that. Like it's something he needed to have around him. Like it's an anxiety thing. Cool. Give me something like that. Like, give me something that makes that character. Yeah. I, it, it just, but just give me fucking something about the goddamn blanket. That's all I needed. Yeah. If you're going to make a fucking point of it, give me a reason for the point. This yep, movie exactly. has no fucking point. None. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move along here and let's get into our Razzie Roundup. And this year, uh, Green Book was not nominated for anything. Shock. Sort of. 
Uh, so worst picture went to Holmes and Watson. I still haven't seen that. I still haven't either. It's John C. Riley will always be my favorite character actor, but if I see him and Will Ferrell together, I'm just like, no, I can just go ahead and just not see that. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, uh, that beat out Gotti. Wow. Uh, the happy time murders. Uh, that wasn't bad enough to be Ranzi. I, I just I'm not saying it's it. I'm not saying it's good. It's yeah. fine. Uh, Robin Hood, which I had never even fucking heard of. Oh my god, we went and saw that at the theater and laughed through about half of the movie. Is Leonardo it, DiCaprio in it or something? Because his name's next to this on the Wikipedia, but I couldn't. No, um, go on, Zay. How many Robin Hoods are there? Too many. It's um, what's his name from the Kingsman movies? Oh, uh, Taron Egerton or whatever. Sure. Uh-huh. As Robin Hood and um, Jamie Foxx's Morgan Freeman's character from <laughs> Prince of Thieves. Sure. Oh, uh, because he was because Morgan Freeman was created for that movie. Yeah. Uh, the, the actor Morgan Freeman was created for that movie. He didn't yes. exist before that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just can't remember his name right now. Yeah. Uh, and the bad guy was uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, okay. Australia's finest actor. Yeah. It's terrible. It's a terrible film. Fair enough. Uh well, and then the last movie uh was Winchester. Oh, was, me and me yeah. and Joe did a YouTube review of that movie. Nice. He smacked me in the video. <laughs> nice. I have to go yeah. back and watch that. I gotta I'll, send I'll, a quick uh message to Caitlin. Hey the baby, same. you have the best tits ever. Thank you. <laughs> Trav, you go ahead and you leave that in. <laughs> yep, I'm good with this. All right. Uh, worst director goes to Eaton Cohen uh, for Holmes and Watson. Okay. Uh, beating out Kevin Connolly for Gotti. Kevin Connolly, a.k.a. E, e. from Entourage. Let's say E finally got to a directed movie. I think Eaton Cohen was one of the writers on King of the Hill. Really? I think huh. so. Apparently he also wrote, uh, had writing credits for Tropic Thunder, Madagascar, Escape to Africa, and Men in Black 3, so, you know. It's a real roller coaster ride. Uh, also beating out James Foley for Fifty Shades Free, Brian Henson for The Happy Time Murders, and the Spierig, Spierig brothers for Winchester. Okay. Uh, worst actor goes to Donald Trump in Death of a Nation and Fahrenheit 11.9, beating out Johnny Depp for Sherlock Gnomes. He should have won uh, and then disappeared from polite society. <laughs> Uh, Will Ferrell in Holmes and Watson, John Travolta and Gotti, and Bruce Willis in Death Wish. I keep forgetting that fucking Gotti. happened. <laughs> oh, God. It was directed by Eli Roth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, worst actress goes to Melissa McCarthy for The Happy Time Murders. Who was also and, nominated for an Oscar this year. Yep. And Life of the Party. Uh, Life of the out, Party was cute. I haven't seen that one. It's cute. Yeah, I just say something later here. Uh, okay. Jennifer Garner, uh, being out Jennifer Garner for Peppermint, Amber Heard okay. for London Fields. What is Peppermint? <laughs> it's Would Jennifer like Garner peppermint? is the Punisher. <laughs> oh, God. You said like a Peppermint? <laughs> it's, it's exactly as bad as it sounds. <laughs> nice. Uh, Helen Mirren is Winchester in Winchester and Amanda Seyfried in The Clapper. The Clapper? The Clapper? <laughs> the Clapper. Please tell me that's a horror movie about the light system. <laughs> it's a Dino Montiel movie. 
based on Montiel's novel, Eddie Crumble is the Clapper. Okay. <laughs> with Ed Helms. Uh, RIP yeah. to the creator of the Trapper Keeper who died today. Oh, really? Oh, RIP. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I kept so much trap. I want to wait for my Trapper Keeper to be away. Uh, see worst sporting actor goes to john c Riley in holmes and watson beating out Ludacris for show dogs uh jamie fox in robin hood joel McHale in the happy time murders and justice smith in jurassic world fallen kingdoms Ooh, justice yeah. smith is great in that film yeah whether you like the movie or not justice smith is good in it i like the movie i like them for what they are i do too uh, Worst supporting actress goes to Kellyanne Conway for Fahrenheit 11.9 because <laughs> fuck that guy. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, beating out Marsha Gay Harden for Fifty Shades Freed. Whoops, clicked a button to do that. Kelly Preston in Gotti, Jazz Sinclair in Slender Man, and Melania Trump in Fahrenheit 11.9. Okay. Uh, Worst screen combo goes to Donald Trump and his self-perpetuating pettiness. In Death of a Nation and Fahrenheit 11.9. Beating out any two actors are puppets in the Happy Time Murders. Johnny Depp in his fast-fading film career in Sherlock Gnomes. Will Ferrell and John C. Riley And Kelly Preston and John Travolta and Gotti. Gotti. Uh, worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel goes to Holmes and Watson. Beating out Death of a Nation. Uh, Death Wish, The Meg. Oh, The Meg is great. Meg is fantastic. And Robin Hood. Make is amazing. It's sure. great. Uh, worst screenplay goes to Fifty Shades Freed. Uh, beating out just about everything else up there. Um, and the Razzie Redeemer Award goes to Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Because Melissa McCarthy is good if she has a good director. Yeah, exactly. Uh, beating out Peter Farrelly because fuck you. Uh, Tyler Perry for Vice, the Transformer franchise because of Bumblebee, and Sony Pictures Animations because of Into the Spider-Verse. The Barry L. Bumstead Award goes to the movie Billionaire Boys Club. Okay. (laughs) Bless you. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, James Cock, written and direct James Cox. (laughs) (laughs) James Cock. Cock. Written and directed film. That had a budget of fifteen million dollars and made two point seven million dollars. Might have something to do with an unnamed actor in it. Mm, yeah. Yep. Yep. So that is our Razzie Roundup. Hey. Yay. Time for our worsty judgments. All right, Zach. Hello. How are you doing? You see, how am I doing or what am I doing? Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, good. I feel like we exercised some demons talking about this film. It's fair. I still feel dirty. <laughs> well, uh, does this movie deserve Best Picture? 2018 is a embarrassing year for me. I've only seen two other Best Picture nominees, and they were Black Panther and Black Klansman. Um, some of the others I just, I didn't have any interest in, uh, because of word of mouth, like, <laughs> like Paul's put me off ever seeing Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> um, 
Vice, I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I'm, I just don't need to watch it. I do want to see Roma. Um, I don't want to see the favorite. Um, I think Into the Spider-Verse should have been nominated for Best Picture. Maybe even Incredibles 2. I did. I love Isle of Dogs, but it's not my favorite Wes Anderson. Um, so I'm I'm not mad about that not winning stuff. But uh, no, Green Book did not win. It should not have been nominated for Best Picture. I think it should have been Roma or... Uh, you know, based on what I've heard about it, I, it's hard to say that because I haven't seen it, but I feel like Roma is, I felt like it was a, a favorite going in. Um, or Black Panther, because uh, it's awesome. And yeah, didn't deserve Best Picture. All right. Um, I am in agreement. I have also not seen, I've seen, I think, more than two. So I know I've seen A Star is Born. Uh, this is an okay movie. Uh, Black Panther was literally the shakeup the MCU needed and then did not continue shaking anything up after that. Yep. Um, yep. And just like you, I have not seen Bohemian Rhapsody because of Paul. <laughs> so I, I kind of want to see it to see if it is that bad, but I just. I know tons I'm, of people that love it, but. See, you that's know, the thing. Like, everybody I talk to is like, it's so good. But, like, is it though? Because Paul is a sincere, like, queen, usually, and Freddie Mercury, like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, guy, huge, I'm not huge, I'm fan. not saying you're not, you're not, uh, gatekeeping either. You're just like, this movie's a disservice to see. Uh, that's the him. thing. I have no okay. problems telling Paul to go fuck right off when it comes to a movie, like, <laughs> at all. I just feel like this one, I just kind of know he's right. Hmm. And I'm and I'm good with that. So, um, uh, Into the Spider Verse should have absolutely been nominated for Best Picture. Uh, possibly have won. Uh, I am, although the movie was not my favorite, I don't understand how Annihilation was completely fucking ignored. Ignored. Mm-hmm. So I like again it. It was a movie that made me scratch my head and make me go, do I really like movies if I don't like this? Maybe I should just tell people <laughs> I like this movie. So, uh, yeah. But it, it was at the very least a gorgeous fucking and well-acted movie that was confusingly written to me, but I'm sure other people get it. Um, so, yeah. Greenberg does... Greenberg. Uh, Green Book does not deserve Best Picture at all. Uh, like, I believe Greenberg is a Noah Baumbach film. Yeah, like ben Stiller, right? <laughs> With Ben Stiller. <laughs> I hate Ben Stiller. I think he should have won. <laughs> but yeah, I, the favorite was actually something I kind of wanted to watch. Um, anything that says black comedy just makes me go, okay, yeah, I'll watch that. It's it's so much fun. Yeah. I'll get to that. Um, so yeah, that's... No. No, it does not. Not at all. Paul. All right, I'm just going to go up front and say no, but I'm sure everybody could deduce that from <gasps> Shocking. All right, so eight eight films here. Uh, four of them are not in my top 20, so we'll start with those. Uh, we'll start with Roma, which I think maybe makes it into my top 20, but I didn't get to see it before I wrote my top 20. Mm. So it's not in there. So I apologize. It's a beautiful film. I, it's probably going in my top 10 somewhere. We'll we'll probably discuss that in a second. Uh, the bottom of the barrel and my least favorite movie ever, ever, ever made is <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. 
I think it is the worst film ever made. I don't think there's anything good about it. It's editing is so terrible. It sticks out. It's not shot very well. There's a lot of like green screen shooting. That is very noticeable. Uh, Rami Malek is not (coughs) good in that movie. I don't know how he won an Academy Award. And I don't know how he tricked people in thinking that he is any good in this movie. He is as much of a cartoon character in that movie as Viggo Mortensen is in Green Book, which is the shockingly my number two. Somehow, Bohemian Rhapsody, the worst movie ever made, than Green Book. <laughs> and then Vice is a very mixed bag. Mm. It's also not great. It's not very good. So that stays out of my top 20. Not a very good movie. At least, at least Christian Bale is supposed to be a cartoon character in that film, and the rest of the movie treats it that way. But uh, it's very tone deaf and not a very good movie. All right. Going into my top 20. Let's do my top 20 now. My number 20 is American Animals. Really good uh, mix of dramatic storytelling and documentary storytelling. Uh, about a four, four young men who try to steal some books from a college library. It is really intense. Uh, Vox Lux, starring uh, Natalie Portman. My brain just died. Uh Excellent film. Excellent. Film. Check. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven Soderbergh's Unsane. Beautiful film about the treatment of women in healthcare oh. by, by the healthcare professionals. Uh, number 17, Isle of Dogs. Love that film. Also with Zach, not one of my favorite Wes Anderson films. Uh, number 16, the Coen brothers, the ballad of Buster Scruggs. Great oh, anthology yeah. film. Still need to watch that. Oh my god, fucking I, Tom Waits is yep. amazing yeah. in that film. <laughs> yep. Uh, number fifteen, Yorgos Lanthimos is the favorite. That film is wild as fuck, and actually made me start rethinking my stance on Emma Stone because I'm very firmly on Olivia Coleman's an amazing actress, and Rachel Weisz is an amazing actress, and those two amazing actresses. Must have been giving Emma Stone's lessons on set because she's very good in that movie. Nice. Uh, my number 14 is Ryan Coogler's Black Panther, one of two films this year that Michael B. Jordan should have been nominated for and was not. The other being Creed 2, which is just outside of my top 20. Uh, number 13, Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade. Beautiful film. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. Uh, Number 12, Paul Schrader's First Reformed. Holy fucking shit. Mm. Why was this not nominated for Best Picture? Got nominated for Screenplay. This film is incredible. Have not seen that. Writing it down. Yeah, check that out. First Reformed, Paul Schrader, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is so good in that movie. He should have been nominated for Best Actor. Uh, My number 11 is Luca Gaudagnino's Suspiria, the the remake. Mm. Excellent. Oh my god. The last like 20 minutes of that film is fucking bug nuts wild and I love it. Nice. Uh number 10, The Hate You Give. Oh. Mm-hmm. Such a sad movie. I love it. Uh number nine, Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother You. What a fucking good movie. Number eight is Jason Reitman and Diablo Cody's Tully, a film that gave me uh PTSD in the theater. Oh from being a parent. It, holy shit, scared the shit out of me. 
Uh, I believe I went and saw that with David and Manny and David looked over at me at one point was like, are you going to be okay? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. I remember the trailers, but I haven't seen that yet either. It, it did a number on me. Yeah. Uh, Number seven, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. What a fucking amazing movie. Yep. We may be talking about this later. So I'm going to, I'm going to move on. Yeah. All right. Number six. Paddington 2. Just such a good movie. Yeah. I cry every time I watch that movie. That bear just really wants to get that pop-up book for his end. Number five, Blind Spotting, which was another very visceral film from this year about police shooting black men. Oh. Hmm. Along with The Hate You Give. Uh, number four, Annihilation. Should have been nominated in every category. Alex Garland is an amazing writer. Yeah. I feel like at the very least, the bottom half should have been dominated by Annihilation, I think. Yeah. I feel like he, he should have been at least in the uh, adapted screenplay category. Yeah. Uh, number three, Hereditary, the Ari Aster film. That's all right. That is a weekend. That is going to be a weekend. It's just watching those movies. I'm like watch in October. That. That movie did things I was not expecting it to do, and I always like when a movie does something I'm not expecting it to do. All right, my number two is Spike Lee's Black Klansman. Mm. What a fucking good movie. And again, I know it has its detractors, and its detractors make a lot of good points, but I think this film is an incredible statement that I think some of the detractors may have missed some of the things about it while being upset about the things that they're rightly upset about. Gotcha. I think they just overlook some things about the movie that mm. that that I never hear while it is being talked about. Gotcha. And my number one film of the year, and the film I think should have been nominated for and won Best Picture, Barry Jenkins's If Beale Street Could Talk. I have never been so devastated while watching a movie, but yet so hopeful at the end of it. It is a beautiful film. Regina King deserved that Academy Award. Everybody in this fucking movie should have been nominated for something, and this movie should have won Best Picture. It is beautiful. And the fact that this wasn't even nominated in um, any of the top categories, and Green Book 1 is a travesty. Yeah. Fair but enough. no, this doesn't deserve... This Green Book did not deserve Best Picture. Didn't you thought you liked Sergeant Stubbs like a lot? I can't remember if that was a movie that you've really Was that in twenty eighteen? That was twenty eighteen. Okay, so Sergeant Stubby is really, really fucking good, but it's still got a lot of problems with it. Sure. And uh I I don't want them to unfollow me on Twitter if they hear this. So please don't unfollow me on Twitter, Sergeant <laughs> Stubby. I love your movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I, me and Owen have a, have a review on the Drinking Age Movies YouTube channel that you can look up, and I discuss some of the things that I think are wrong with that movie. Ooh. All right, uh, Zach. Hi. Is this the worst Best Picture? So here's the loaded question. Um, so what I said earlier is that this film is watchable. You can put it on and it happens, and like, you know, the frustrating things, but it's not like, for me, it's not painful to watch it. There are a couple things I chuckle at, a couple scenes I'm like, all right, those are good. So I had a really hard time saying that it was the worst best picture. 
but it's another one of those years in the context, like with when Drag Miss Daisy won. If if this film just came out, didn't get any nominations or anything, it would have just passed along, and you know Don Shirley's family would have still been pissed, I'm sure, rightfully so. But nobody would talk about it, I don't think. When you have other films that are so telling black stories through by, by black voices, and then you have this. It's frustrating. You know, this this movie has an eight point two rating on IMDb, and I know IMDb is <laughs> is shit sometimes, but it it just reflects the populist view that apparently people like this movie, and I think that says more about society and and people's understanding of racism and and overt versus covert. And anyway, I. I can't say it's as bad as The Greatest Show on Earth or GG or Broadway Melody, um, but I've got it at number 84. So number 84 of 91, um, it's right behind Cavalcade for me. Uh, Around the World in 80 Days is before that, but it beat out Going My Way, Cimarron. I just, it's more watchable for me than those movies. And I gave it two and a half stars. I teeter on some things when it comes to this movie because I say... I don't get the point. I don't like, I don't get what they're trying to say. And I don't know if that's more dangerous than if they were trying to be like, it's not a white savior film. No, but it almost seems like it wants to be, but it's like, but we know it's like, I know what a white savior film is. So I'm trying to stay away from that. It goes there and then it pulls back. just Exactly. So I don't, because of that, again, it's, it's not, it's a movie that doesn't, know what it's trying to like i'm not getting the point it's trying to get it's trying to convey and if i do get that point it's probably not a good point to have yeah so i don't know if that's worse or better so that being said i have to look at this movie at face value and go i did not hate this movie but this was a shit movie mm-hmm. and I would rather watch Tom Jones than watch this movie again. Though <laughs> Tom Jones is a masterpiece. I so, have Tom Jones below this. If you believe it, I don't. So it. I hate, it. I have it at 77, 77, uh, just under Tom Jones and above ordinary people. So yeah, go. Paul. Yes. Is this the worst best picture? Uh, yes, absolutely. It's the worst fucking best picture of all time. I fucking hate this movie. It's dangerous. <laughs> it's bad. It's myth. It's messaging is mixed up. It is racist. And it, it, it was unlike something like gone with the winter Cimarron where racism was the <laughs> yeah. meal of the day when they were made. Right. This movie should know better. It was released in a time where it shouldn't be this racist, but it is this racist. It's terrible. It rewards its racist main character, who is the singular focus of this quote-unquote buddy comedy. It rewards him for all of his racism. It's bad messaging. It makes racists feel happy about themselves because they're not as racist as those people in the 60s in the South. So the fact that this movie in 2019, 2018, whatever the fuck, made, made casual racism just okay for everybody makes mm. this the worst best picture of all time. Fuck this movie. There's nothing good about it. Greatest show on earth at least had Jimmy Stewart putting in a performance that <laughs> that movie didn't deserve. 
this movie doesn't have a Jimmy Stewart in it as good as Mahershala Ali can be, but it's in service of misinformation and bullshit to make a black character make a white character look better. Fuck this movie. It is the worst best picture and somehow still only the second worst film of this year. <laughs> Fuck this movie. 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 There you go. I didn't even think to say also, you know, this movie winning, you know, in the height of, you know, Black Lives Matter and stuff. It's yeah. On on top of all the amazing films made by black directors right. that I listed in my top 20. That should have won Barry Jenkins, who got fucked over in his Academy Awards. Spike Lee, who got fucked over for Do the Right Thing. And Malcolm X, and should have been up there for Bamboozled, which is one mm. of his best movies. Mm. I And then Black Klansman, even. I don't know how this happened. I, I don't understand this. It's a bad win for a bad movie that it makes bad people feel good about themselves. Fuck this movie. It is the worst best picture of all time. Fuck it. I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I have no respect for this movie and I have no respect for the Academy for picking it or Owen Gleiberman for calling it the best film of the year. Who was one of my guys when I read entertainment weekly in the late nineties, early two thousands, mm. I have completely turned on him for picking this as the number one best movie of the year. So tell me how you really feel. I have to pee. That's, that's, that's fair. Me too. That's a, that's a feeling I'm having. Okay. No, that's, that's a feeling. All right. Well, All right. I guess, on that note, then I guess we'll call it here, Jim. Well, we broke the streak. It was it was always going to be this. Yeah, we knew it. We, it, it I was, had a feeling. All right. Well, my name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on the Twitter, Twitch, and the TikToks at Altorn underscore Occam. Zach, where can we find you? You can find me on Critiker at Zachmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, TikTok at House Havoc, or Letterboxd by searching my name, Mr. Workman. You can follow me at Father of the fear across the platforms of Twitter and letterbox where I keep a running tally of all the movies I watch. And this week I watched, let's go with bodies, bodies, bodies. I know I brought it up earlier, but that's, that's a fun little whodunit horror film uh, with a lot of really good central performances. And um, the star of the hate you give Amanda Steinberg is in it and she is wonderful. She's the main character. Uh, also the star of, Shiva Baby, great film. Uh, see this movie; it's a lot of fun. Sweet. It is one I have seen talked about by a lot of my horror-loving friends. So, whores. All right, all right, Zach. What are we watching next week? Well, we'll flip the script. And we'll watch Parasite. Ooh, pretend I'm holding up my uh, my Criterion copy because it's over there. Beautiful. I- I'm pretending. It's beautiful. It's great. Take a drink. It is actually some really... But only a pretend drink. Yeah. Gulp, gulp, gulp. Parasite, you can uh, watch on Hulu if you got a subscription, or rent on Google, Voodoo, or YouTube. All right. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We'd like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We'd like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar Pod and on Facebook, the Oscar Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps to make us more visible in the almighty algorithm. Almighty algorithm. Hey, you, you don't know Little Richard. Hey, how you don't know Little Richard? 
So for Jonathan and Zach, and um, you know what? No thanks to Octavia Spencer, who <laughs> was not only a part of, was a producer on this movie, but was also in Hidden Figures and the help setting us back there. Octavia Spencer, good job. We would like for you all to have a damn fine day.